Hi guys, and welcome to another episode of the Disciple Types Podcast. My name is Dave, and this is my brother, Andrew. Hey everybody. On today's episode, we're talking about the Apostle Nathaniel. Andrew, can you tell us about Nathaniel? Well, Nathaniel is another one of those disciples who is a bit obscure. Uh, not much is known about him. In fact, some of our listeners are probably thinking, I don't even remember there being a disciple named Nathaniel. And there's a good reason for that. Nathaniel is only ever mentioned in the Gospel of John, and he's only mentioned twice. And he's never mentioned in the Synoptic Gospels at all, where they actually list those disciples. So there's a bit of confusion about Nathaniel's identity. But most scholars do conclude that Nathaniel was indeed one of the twelve. So by comparing the lists, Christian tradition has identified Nathaniel with Bartholomew as the same disciple from those lists. Hmm. So you said he's only mentioned twice. Where do we find those two mentions again? Nathaniel's mentioned briefly after the resurrection in John chapter 21. Uh, but where we get the most info about him is actually in a brief story at the end of John chapter 1. Oh, yeah. I think we recently referenced that verse while we were discussing Philip. It's pretty brief. Refresh our memories about this story. Uh, what can we learn about Nathaniel from it? Well, I actually think it would be helpful if I just read it since it's so short. Okay, great. All right. So we're going to start John chapter 1 with verse 45. Philip found Nathaniel and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus said, You believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. He then added, Very truly I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. So at first glance, this story may seem brief and anecdotal, but it's actually jam-packed with information about Nathaniel, if we look at it from the point of view of the four aspects of the tetramorph. Yeah, and to remind our listeners, the tetramorph is the four faces of the Word of God seen in visions by Ezekiel in Revelation, each face representing different aspects of Christ and human nature. Reason, revelation, experience, and tradition. Yes, exactly right. So human nature has four aspects, according to our theory, and we each favor two of those aspects over the others, with one aspect being primary and the other aspect being secondary. So in Nathaniel's case, this story shows that his primary aspect is tradition and his secondary is revelation. Wow, all that from this little bit of text Pretty fascinating. Tell us how you get that from this story. Sure. So the first thing we notice is that Nathaniel's called by Philip. And Philip is the exact opposite of Nathaniel. And, and they're often mentioned in the company of each other. Uh, technically, Philip is mentioned in the company of Bartholomew in the Synoptics, but we are going to say that that's Nathaniel. 
But this actually shouldn't be surprising because we often find that opposites attract when it comes to personality. So that's our first clue. But beyond that, it's the way that Philip calls Nathaniel, appealing to his sense of tradition, saying, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote. So that's a direct appeal to the historical and religious traditions of Israel and something that Philip obviously believes Nathaniel would be persuaded by. Interesting. So you mentioned that Philip is the opposite of Nathaniel. In an earlier episode, we talked about Philip's aspects being reason and experience. How do those aspects interact with Nathaniel's aspects of tradition and revelation? That's a great question. And it's actually something I know quite a bit about because I'm a Philip and my wife is a Nathaniel. Yes, definitely a case of opposites attract. Yes, definitely. Uh, and we're, we're very different. She's a physical therapist who focuses on healing the body. And my focus, obviously, is on psychology and healing the mind. Uh, she's very grounded, but she taps into the emotional side of things. While I'm very analytical, but I'm always pushing the boundaries and trying to see things in new ways. And together, we balance each other. So that's definitely a relationship dynamic I'm very familiar with. And I see it at work in the very next part of Nathaniel's story, where after Philip says Jesus is from Naz Nazareth, Nathaniel says, Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Mm -hmm. And Philip doesn't argue. He just says, come and see. And I love that because Nathaniel's having a tradition moment. And what I mean by that is when he's faced with some new information that might be a bit destabilizing, he retreats backward into what he knows the secure, the familiar. He trusts the people from his own town. But in doing so, he betrays sort of a reflexive bias against outsiders. But Philip doesn't argue with, with that sort of prejudice or he doesn't call him a xenophobe or anything like that. Instead, he just invites him to have a new experience that can broaden his horizons. He says, come and see. So I love that dynamic of these friends helping each other grow and see things in a new way and ultimately connect with Jesus. Mm -hmm. So what is Nathaniel's relationship with Jesus like then? Well, we get a glimpse of it in the very next verse. So Jesus knows that Nathaniel is wary of him because he's from Nazareth, because Jesus knows everything, mm -hmm. and he knows what Nathaniel just said. And we know how Jesus totally disarms Nathaniel as soon as they meet. Because the first thing he says is, here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. And this is genius because it cuts right to the core of Nathaniel's self-perception. So Nathaniel strives to be an honorable, honest, and upstanding member of his community. And Jesus immediately validates that idea by calling him a true Israelite and saying there is no deceit in him. He's basically complimenting Nathaniel for the very thing that actually makes Nathaniel distrustful of Jesus, which is that Nathaniel is an outspoken defender of his community. But by acknowledging that underlying value, Jesus actually catches Nathaniel off guard and gets him to put down his defenses. Yeah, so it seems like Nathaniel's focus on tradition can, can be a double-edged sword. Yes, and just like all the aspects are when they're out of balance. The underlying desire to preserve tradition and protect the stability of your community is a good and virtuous desire. Mm -hmm. But when it's left unchecked, it can look like closed-mindedness or even tribalism. Yeah. And Jesus shows us that the best way to combat tribalism isn't to attack the person, but to validate their concerns and, and the positive desires 
that led them to that defensive position in the first place. And then once you do that, you can start to build a dialogue and understanding. So in this story, what happens next? Well, Nathaniel, now off guard, asks a pivotal question. He asks, how do you know me? And this really gets at the heart of both Nathaniel's tradition and his revelation. So tradition is all about following accepted codes of behavior Mm -hmm. uh, and being recognized by your community as a member in good standing. But revelation goes one step deeper. It wants relationship. Nathaniel wants to be acknowledged for what he does, but he also wants to be known for who he is. Wow, that's, that's profound. It really highlights the fact that people can be more complex than they appear. So what does Jesus say to that? Well, here's the next verse. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. And we think about that. It's kind of a weird thing to say. Taken literally, Jesus is just saying, I saw you sitting under, uh, sitting there. Mm-hmm. And, but how does that answer the question of how Jesus knows Nathaniel's character? Mm-hmm. So we don't know for sure what Nathaniel was doing under the fig tree. Was he napping? Could have been resting, maybe studying the law. Our best guess is that the reference to the fig tree is symbolic of Israel as it is in the Old Testament. Or it could be symbolic of the idea of bearing righteous spiritual fruit as when Jesus curses the tree that bears no fruit and makes it wither. Either way, the message is that Jesus has been watching Nathaniel's actions and he's deemed him a righteous, upright member of his community. And that just validates everything Nathaniel wants to be. Then it says, Nathaniel declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. So by appealing to Nathaniel's sense of tradition, Jesus convinces Nathaniel to the point that he declares Jesus the king of Israel. He's placing Jesus at the very pinnacle of his nation, of his traditions. And that's a remarkable statement for Nathaniel to make. But he also calls Jesus the son of God, which, depending on the translation you use, he's either the first or the second person after John the Baptist, to make this declaration in the Gospel of John. And that's huge. So clearly Nathaniel's revelation is also developed enough to make him aware that he's not just talking to an ordinary king or even a prophet. He's talking to God. Hmm. So tell us more about how revelation operates in Nathaniel's personality. Well, Jesus tells us actually in the next verse, Jesus said, You believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. He then added, Very truly I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. So we have this very grounded man, Nathaniel, who's steeped in tradition. But tradition was not his ending point. It was his gateway to greater belief. And Jesus makes this allusion uh, in that that verse to Jacob's ladder from Genesis. And so that's where Jacob, who's also known as Israel, who's the namesake of the nation, and he has this vision of heaven opening up and the angels going up and down. And, and I'll just read it because it's really a great passage. Um, so he, meaning Jacob, had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. It meaning the, the ladder. There above it stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. 
I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. When Jacob woke from this sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. So this is a very nationalistic dream. This is like a, an origin story for Israel, which combined with, with Abraham tells how the, the nation became. Uh, and it's talking about the nation expanding and the people growing and prospering and mm -hmm. blessing the, the entire earth, the people of earth. But Jesus makes one small but pivotal revision to that dream when he references it in John. So instead of saying the angels are ascending and descending on the ladder, he says they are ascending and descending on the Son of Man. So Jesus is saying that he is the gate of heaven. He's the stairway to heaven, if you will. He's saying that the nation of Israel itself is contained within himself. That he is the blessing to all people, not wow. just to Israel. Wow, mind blown. I know, right? Uh, it's it, when when you just that one phrase, and if you look back, you realize what Jesus is really saying when he when he makes that slight change. Mm -hmm. um, and so Nathaniel's revelation takes him past a narrow focus on tradition to this amazing realization that Jesus came to save everyone. Even people, even people from shabby places like Nazareth. <laughs> and, and this totally transforms Nathaniel and turns him into a disciple. So that brings us to the nickname you give him, that you give Nathaniel. You call him the neighbor. Why? I actually struggled coming up with this nickname. I, I was looking for a word that begins with N because I love alliteration. <laughs> uh, that would also be a profession like an ambassador or a manager. Right. But I kept coming back to neighbor, and the more I thought about it, I realized it was perfect. So neighbors are vital members of our community. Other than the family, they are the building block of a healthy society. Mm -hmm. And as the world changes, people are having less and less contact with their direct neighbors. Yeah, It's a real problem. Mm -hmm. People don't have someone they can see face-to-face, -face, someone they can ask for help or to borrow something from. Right. But it's really something that we're all called to do to help each other. But Nathaniel types especially are good at it because they're very good about meeting people's material needs. They know what needs to be done to maintain order and stability, which is what neighborhoods are all about. Mm -hmm. But they, they don't just maintain order and stability. They do it with empathy and compassion. And this, this actually seems like a perfect time to give a shout out to our number one fan here at Disciple Types. Her name is Maddie. Uh, she's a Nathaniel, and she also happens to be my actual neighbor, so it's just perfect. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Maddie, thanks for listening. Thank you so much for your support. And thank you for being a wonderful neighbor. <laughs> so, Andrew, that term neighbor is also important from a biblical perspective, right? Yes, definitely. Uh, the parable of the Good Samaritan comes out of somebody asking, who is my neighbor? And I think that parable is really illustrative of both the temptation faced by Nathaniel type and also the potential within their personality. 
The temptation is to cloister, to close ranks and protect your neighborhood from outsiders, or to harshly judge people within your community for violating norms. But the potential is to use the power of revelation to see that everyone is your neighbor. And once you see that truth, a neighborly ability to meet people's physical needs is one of the most vital outreach tools that we have as a Christian community. Absolutely. I agree 100%. It's the basis for so much of the fruitful missionary work that goes on around the world, Mm -hmm. where you first need to meet those material needs before you can have a spiritual discussion at all. Oh, absolutely. Very well said. And so uh, I I think we should wrap it up. And I want to um, end on reading The Good Samaritan because it's just so good uh, and encapsulates this idea of righteousness through obedience to law and tradition, but ultimately salvation through sacrificial love. So here goes. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? Jesus replied. How do you read it? The man answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But the man wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Thanks for listening. We'd be grateful if you'd like and subscribe. 